Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Come on, somebody give some mothers some, some love this morning. Come on, give them some love. I am very, very much convinced that none of us would survive if it weren't for mothers. Anybody agree with that? My children would not survive if it were not for their mama. I'm just going to, I'll just leave it at that. Maybe some of you, you, you dads are a little bit better than I am, but my kids would not survive without their mama. So thank you. Thank you, mommies. No doubt that it is because of you that we are here. You the real MVP, said Kevin Durant. That was a great speech, by the way. Hey, today we, we continue our series, uh, Living Your Best Life, and the whole thought behind this series and the whole idea uh, driving this series is, is the idea of, man, our society twists it and, and has it messed up more often than not as far as what it looks like to live your best life. Uh, more often than not, uh, society, um, whenever they say that they're living their best life, more often than not, it's, it's selfish. We're uh, driven by selfishness and it's selfish desires and it's what they want and, and, and it has nothing to do maybe with what others, uh, how it affects others or it has nothing to do with what God has to say about living their life. And so today we're going to talk about loving God, loving God and love is complicated. Would you guys agree with that? Would anybody agree with that? Love can be complicated. And so I, I, was, uh, I was working the other day, and I had a little break in between, and I was just, had a little nostalgia thinking about uh, the dating years. Anybody remember the dating years? Some of you guys have been married so long, you don't even know what dating is anymore. <clears throat> but anybody remember whenever you were falling in love? And uh, maybe some of you guys are, 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 are too old to... Uh, to uh, relate to this part, but the, the text messaging, I remember when, when Lauren and I, whenever we first started speaking or dating, whatever you want to call it, talking or whatever you want to call it, I remember it was before, it, it was long enough ago that it was before everybody had unlimited text messages. Thank God for unlimited text messages today, right? I did not realize that I did not have unlimited text messages, and so, God, I ended up with an $1,100 phone bill from Verizon because I didn't have unlimited text messages. Now, if you ask me, EJ, was it worth it? I would say a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was worth it. I paid that bill. Hurt me so bad. But I paid it over, you know, I, I had to call Verizon and be like, hey, and I set up a pay. I had a, I had a stinking payment plan to pay for text messages. But I was remembering those days and I was remembering, man, we'd wake up in the morning and, and whoever, like it, it was almost like we were in a race to see who could send the first good morning text, you know. And uh, if she woke up before I did, then I'd wake up, look at my phone and there it is. Good morning. And a big smile. And I'd say, good morning. And then what are you doing? And, you know, what, whatever. Just, so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I want to feel a little bit more nostalgia. So I text my wife. It's probably like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So she's at home with the kids, and I text her. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> she texts back, hello. 
And I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. So I say, what are you doing, babe? And she takes back with cleaning poop. (laughs) And I just stared at my phone for a little bit. Didn't really know what to say to that. So I just said, whose is it? (laughs) I didn't know how, I mean, I didn't know where to go with that. But isn't that, isn't that so, isn't that so real? I mean, isn't that what long-term love really looks like? Like, it's not, I was hoping like, what are you, like, I was hoping, you know, what are you doing? I was thinking, just sitting here thinking about you. And I was going to be like, oh, I was thinking the same. Cleaning poop. And I think so many times, man, love can get difficult for us. It can get difficult for us in in human relationships, in marriage, and and in family, and in friendships. And it can definitely get difficult for us sometimes with God. I don't know if maybe some of you guys remember whenever God first reached out to you, whenever you first accepted Jesus, whenever God uh, first changed your life, how passionate you can be and how on fire you become because of what God did for you or what God did for your family member. But then after some time, it just feels like the text messages aren't the same anymore. Are you guys with me? So we're going to jump into the message today. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 38. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 38. And once you find Matthew, before I read it, once you find Matthew, just go ahead and stay in Matthew. I'm going to be jumping around to several scriptures today, but I'll read them off of my notes. And there's a few other scriptures in Matthew that I want you guys to follow along with me. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you so much for all of the wonderful mamas that are here this morning. We thank you for the grace that you've placed upon their life. We thank you for the patience that you've placed upon their life. We thank you, God, for, for, for just um, the willingness to serve their children, serve our children so well, God. Lord, we ask you this morning that you speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. And God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. So how many of you guys have realized that love actually takes work? Love actually takes work. And and I just want to speak to you teenagers those of you that still have the butterflies and, and, and you think, how could this ever take work? Let me just say, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> to, the, to the brand new parent, like I'm a, I'm a fairly new parent, but to the brand new parent looking at your precious little child, how could this ever take work to love them? Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> I don't even have teenagers yet, and I understand that sometimes it takes work. You guys, anybody follow? Anybody agree with that? If you don't agree with that, oh, bless your heart. Because you just don't know yet, man. You just don't know. You, you don't know about a, a real long-term relationship. And, and once you start, once you get married, and after that first year, and 
They don't always brush your teeth before you get up in the morning. They don't turn the shower on when they go to the bathroom anymore. Anybody follow me? Man, love takes work. And it takes work, when, and again, love in our relationships, love, uh, loving in, in marriage, loving your children, loving your spouse. All of that takes work, and it also takes work with Jesus. Listen to me. This is something that I say at every single wedding that I've ever performed. Listen to this. Love is not an emotion. It is a choice. Love is not an emotion. It is a choice. And Hollywood has sold us the lie that love is an emotion and that you should always feel butterflies and that your stomach should always turn every single time you you see your significant other. And man, let me tell you, that is such a lie. And so many of us have bought into that lie that when we stop feeling love, And when we stop feeling that emotion, we give up on it because we say, oh, I fell out of love. Would you guys agree that that might be one of the greatest problems facing marriages today is I just don't love them anymore. And love was never, listen, love was never an emotion. It should have never been an emotion. It might have been bad leftover pizza, but it wasn't an emotion Love is a choice. It's a deciding every single day to love. And it's the same in our relationship with God. We don't fall in and we don't fall out of love with God. Man, when God shows up big time in our lives and he changes something in our lives, maybe he changes our behavior, he changes the behavior of someone else, changes our heart, maybe heals us, restores us, whatever it may be. Man, it's so easy in those times to get emotional and, and, and feel all about loving God. And then that's whenever we get on a streak on our version Bible app. And that's whenever we're reading and, and, and listening to every message and we're going to church every Sunday. Can I just tell you guys, listen to me. If I only came to church whenever I felt like it, you guys wouldn't have a pastor. You're like, we should fire the dude. It's the reality. I don't always feel like getting up and coming to church and, and, doing, and, and doing everything that we do here. I don't always feel like it but I choose to because I love God and because I love you and because I love this community man love is not an emotion it's not something that you just feel so stop stop dictating your decisions stop dictating the way you live your life based on how I feel right here right now and start making choices In your relationship with God, stop waiting to feel all of these butterflies and stop waiting to feel some, you you know, people stop coming to church because I I just didn't feel anything. You ever heard that before? I remember years ago, man, whenever I first, whenever we first planted TRC and, and there was this one, one friend of mine who he came and his first, the first time he came and it was just incredible. God spoke to him. God moved him in him, man. He, he felt God. And it was incredible. The second time was about the same. The third time was a little bit less. But by the fourth time, he said, EJ, I just don't feel it anymore. And so he stopped coming because I just don't feel it anymore. Stop basing your decisions and your love towards God on what you feel. And start basing it on your choices. Does that make sense? You guys follow me? So listen, I want to give you guys... Let's... Um, go with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. You should already be in Matthew 22, so just flip, your, flip to the left just a little bit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 
through 23. Not everyone who says to me, and this is Jesus speaking, for most of you, this is probably red letters. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, you know what day that he's talking about? You know what that day is? That day is judgment day. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Highlight that word in your, in your Bibles. Circle that word. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, listen to me. We got to understand who he's speaking to. Jesus here, he's not speaking about and he's not speaking to just the average church attender. Because the average, would you agree that the average church attender doesn't prophesy? I've never prophesied in my life. And I've been to thousands of church services. I've never prophesied. He's talking to people who's prophesied in Jesus' name, who has cast out demons in his. I've been a part of that a few times. But would you agree that the average churchgoer isn't a part of that in their lifetime? Would you guys agree with that? And then, he's, and then they say, and we did many other wondrous things. Many other wonders in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. So Jesus, listen, so Jesus here, he's not just talking about just the average churchgoer. Jesus is actually talking about people who are in ministry, who are involved in ministry. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And can I just be real with you guys just for a moment? That's one of my biggest fears sometimes. Every now and then I have to check my heart. I literally have to check my heart and make sure that I'm in this for the right reasons. That what I'm doing, I'm doing it out of love towards God and not out of any other ambition. Because one of my greatest fears is that I would do this and I would dedicate my life to doing this right here. And that at the end of my life that Jesus would say, but I didn't know you. How scary is that? How scary is that, that we could dedicate our lives to doing what we think is right, being a good person, doing and saying the right things, but our heart might not ever be in the right place. Go with me to to Matthew chapter 15. Just go to the right, just a few pages. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Then the, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So this is what's happening. is The Pharisees, the religious people, have come to Jesus and, he's, and, and accusing Jesus because his disciples didn't wash their hands before uh, they, they ate. So this wasn't just hygienic in this time, but this was actually part of the law. Like this is, this is one, of, uh, one of many laws that were added to the Ten Commandments is that you should wash your hands before you eat. And so it wasn't just like a bowl. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't have running water like we had today. So it wasn't a bowl like you would picture and, you know, you just kind of grab water and, and, you know, do that like I would. But you actually had to 
scoop the, the water up, and then you'd, the water would have to drip off your elbows. And if you weren't doing it just right, literally, if you weren't doing it just right, this is what happens here. There's somebody standing there watching everybody wash their hands. And if you didn't wash your hands the right way, hell, you're going to hell. You're a sinner. And this is exactly what they're, man, they've, they've been overwhelmed by laws and by traditions. And so this is what they're accusing Jesus of. For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Listen, God is not looking for religion. God is looking for relationship. So the scribes and the Pharisees, man, they're taught. If you read the New Testament, there's very few good things said about them. But the reality is they were the religious ones. They were the ones that knew all of the Ten Commandments and the hundreds of others aside from the Ten Commandments. They were the ones who dedicated their life to making sure they did everything the right way. And then they ended up, and, and, and doesn't this sound so familiar here in the Bible Belt? Then they ended up following tradition more than they were following God. Does that, that sound familiar to us here in the Bible Belt? So many churches end up following their traditions and you better not move that out of the way because that's been there for 50 years. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, y'all do. Y'all just don't want to say anything. And Jesus isn't looking for, again, he's not looking for religion. He's looking for a relationship. He's looking for people who will actually look and pursue a relationship with God, not just do and not just say and not just act the way that we think we're supposed to act. Mamas, have you ever seen that child who, to their parents, know how to act and know what to say? But whenever they're at school, those of you that might be teachers, but whenever they're at school, they are completely different. Not your kids, not your kids, somebody else's kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We can't play that game with God. While those children and those kids and, and, and us, we may be able to trick the parents and, and a few others, we can't play that game with God. We can't just follow religion and just follow these set of rules and believe that that makes us right with God. It might make us right with people, but it doesn't make us right with God. You guys follow me? So I want to give you guys a, a, a few things to consider. A few, I call them symptoms of not being in love. Symptoms of not being in love. Number one, Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I'll read it to you. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the, resur the resurrection from the dead. Number one, a sense of powerlessness. 
if you're not in love with Jesus and, and, you're, and we're just going through the motions, if we're not truly following God and if we haven't truly given God uh, our lives and we have a sense of powerlessness, because let me tell you this, if you're following Jesus, if you fall in love with Jesus, if you love God and, you, and, and you've given your life to God, let me tell you there is power in the name of Jesus and there is power in following Jesus and there is power over your sins and power over your mistakes. There is power to forgive. There is power to let go of the grudge. There is power to be healed. There is power to be restored. There is power to get past your addictions. But if you're not in love with Jesus, then there's no power there. Does that make sense to you? And so some of us, we might come to church over and over and over again, hoping that that's going to change something. But the reality is we're just going to church just to be going to church. And that doesn't change anything. What changes us is the power of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to be like Jesus and just amen myself right there. What changes us is the power of Jesus. And if we're not in love with Jesus, we don't have access to that power. So we have a sense of powerlessness. Number two, John chapter 14, verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Number two is frustration with trying to do good. Frustration with trying to do good. Let me just be very honest and real with you guys. It is very hard to do what the Bible says if you're not in love. That whole part about turn the other cheek. Anybody agree? That's hard. That whole part about not gossiping. Now, come on. This is South Polk County. Get real with me. Would you guys agree that that's hard not to do? That whole part about not judging, don't judge others. We're in South Polk County, come on. You can't lie in church. Would you agree that's, that, that's hard? That whole forgive others, 70 times, seven times. Forgive others as Jesus forgave you. That, that's, would you guys agree that's, that's hard? That's hard. If you're not in love with Jesus, and this is what happens when we're not in love with Jesus, man, one of the symptoms is we grow frustrated, we grow tired, we get so frustrated and we quit doing the good things because we're doing it out of obligation and not out of love. Now, mommies, let me let me speak to you guys just a little bit. Y'all never quit changing that diaper, did y'all? Now, y'all hoped. And y'all prayed, I know my, my wife did, hoped and prayed that this was the last one. And you said, I'm not buying another box. I'm not buying another box. But you still did. And you kept changing that diaper. And it was a lot easier for you than it would have been for anybody else because you loved that baby. Is that right? It was a lot easier for my wife than it was for me. I'm convinced that my wife loves my children about 30% more than what I do. Maybe 50, I don't know. But when we're in love, when, when we love, when there's real love there, 
It's easier to do the nasty things. It's easier to do the difficult things. And it just, it may not be easy, easy. We may still wrestle with it and struggle with it some. But because there's love there, we'll push through it. And listen to me, some of you guys, you're growing frustrated in your relationship and with your walk with God. And it's so difficult for you to do the right things. So difficult for you to forgive. And it's so difficult for you to move past that. And it's so difficult to not get wrapped up in the gossip and to not get wrapped up in the judgment. And it's so difficult to, to just pray for even like 30 seconds. And it's so difficult to read your Bible, even, even just a couple of scriptures, because, because we're not in love. Because we're doing it more because it, we should do it than I want to know you. Here's the thing. It's in your notes. Here's the thing about the word know. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, he says, get away from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Here's the thing. It's in, in, in your notes here. Know is actually, uh, uh, in the original translation in Greek, is actually this word called gnosko. Everybody say that with me. Gnosko. We all probably said it wrong, but we're in South Polk County. We ain't Greek. It's okay. So gnosko, and what gnosko means is to know intimately. It's to know intimately. So, so whenever, whenever we say, do you know that person, what we really mean, we don't really mean do you know them intimately. What we mean is like, what's their name? And maybe who's their kids or maybe who their parents are. You guys with me? Not necessarily do you have a relationship with them. Not necessarily have you ever had a conversation with them. Do you hang out with them? But whenever it's said, whenever the word, uh, the word is used in the Bible, know, K-N-O-W, whenever that word is used, it means to know them intimately. Anybody remember the Christmas story? Whenever the angel appears to Mary and uh, the angel tells Mary, hey, you are going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And what did Mary respond? Anybody remember what Mary responded? She said, how could this be if I've never known a man? She's not talking about I don't know any men. What she's saying is I've never been intimate with a man. So while God knows every single one of our names, God wants to have an intimate relationship with every single one of us. So God is not, again, listen, God's not pursuing religion. He's not pursuing for us to follow a group of rules and a group of laws, but God is asking us to pursue a relationship with God. Number three, the third symptom is this, envying others who seem to be closer. Envying others who seem to be closer. And this is something that I can sometimes find myself caught up in because we'll remember the good old days of when we were passionate, when we were on fire. And so when we see somebody else, we, instead of celebrating that with them, we might come across as judgmental for them. Uh, we might be, we might judge them because we say, well, or we'll, we'll say that's going to be short lived. Anybody ever judged somebody else's puppy love? Yeah. Because you don't have puppy love anymore. And sometimes it's that way with our relationship with God is, is because I'm not as passionate as, as, as I was at one point. 
I become envious or judgmental of other people who are passionate of God. So I want to help you fall in love with Jesus. Number one, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this. We love him because he first loved us, man. We love him because he loved us first. We love Jesus because he loved it. Man, Jesus isn't waiting. Jesus isn't like somewhere far away waiting for us to discover him and waiting for us to fall in love with him. Jesus loves us first. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Jesus, uh, Jesus died for us. This is what love is. So we love Jesus. Listen to me. You, you don't have to work super, super hard. This is, this is a beautiful thing is you don't have to work hard. You don't have to work at all for Jesus to love you. One of my, one of my favorite men in the, the entire world is, is Pastor uh, Gary Jennings. And we had, we, he shared his story with us last year, he and his son. And, and his son felt bad into drugs and, and not just into, uh, in, into being like taking drugs, but in dealing drugs and, and being a distributor of drugs. And man, he fell into a bad crowd, bad crowd. One of his, one of his best friends was, had his head cut off and then his torso cut in half and, and sent out into three different counties. And, and man, he got into some bad, bad trouble. And one of the, one of the things that Pastor Gary said to his son, and, and he shares this in his story. He says, there's nothing you could ever do to quit being my son. If you're going to be a drug dealer, you're going to be my drug dealing son. But there's nothing you could ever say that you could ever do that would make me disown you. You'll always be mine. Is that not incredible? And you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father? It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. There's nothing you could ever do to make Jesus stop loving you. So instead of fighting it, instead of running away from it, what if we just gave into it? Number two, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And you will seek me and find me. This is God speaking. When you search for me with all of your heart. Number two, pursue him with all of my heart. Man, God likes to be chased just a little bit. Pursue him with all of your heart. And, and again, listen, make the choice to love God. Don't do it when you feel like it. In other words, don't just come to church when you feel like coming to church. That'll be once a month or once a year on Easter. Or twice a year, Christmas. Or three times a year, Mother's Day. Don't just come to church when you feel like coming to church, but make a choice to make that a part of your life. Don't just read your Bible when you feel like reading your Bible. But man, open, if, if, if you don't, get the Version Bible app on your phone or on your tablet or whatever and get a streak going. Follow a devotional. Read a scripture or two a day. If you've never read the book of Proverbs, start there 
It's an, it's an incredible uh, book, a lot of good advice in there. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It's a great book to read out of the Bible. But don't do it when you just feel like it. Choose to do it. Pursue God. Man, fall, do some worshiping every now and then. Like ev- just, just every now and then, shut Justin Bieber off. Or Taylor Swift. Or God forbid you listen to Post Malone or somebody like that. Or Sam Hunt. I don't know. I'm just naming random artists now. Anyways, every now and then shut them off and throw on a worship song or two. Listen listen to it on your radio or in your car. Every now and then, every now and then, listen, every now and then, turn off all of the the noise that the media throws at us and all of the fear that they're trying to throw at us and just listen to a podcast of uh, of one of our old podcasts or one of the several hundreds of, of great other messages and preachers there are out there. But pursue God. Make a choice to pursue God. Again, not just when you feel like it, but make a choice to pursue him. And here's the beautiful thing is Jesus says, the Bible says that if we will draw near to him, if we will pursue him, you know what the Bible says his response will be? He will draw near to us. So pursue God. And number three, Luke chapter nine, verses 24 and 25 says this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? The third thing that you need to do is give Jesus your life. Like give him, literally give him your life. Not just one or two Sundays out of the year or out of the month. Not just a few minutes out of the day, but literally give Jesus your life. Tell Jesus, my life is yours. Use me. uh, Take me where you need me to go. Help give me the words that I need to say, but give Jesus your life because this is what I know. I know that if you give your life to your career, doesn't matter how great your career ends up being. Doesn't matter how, how, how successful you are in your career. Doesn't matter how many breakthroughs you have in your career. At the end of your life, you're going to regret it. Nobody that I know of has ever laid on their deathbed and wished they had a better career. Wished they worked more. Wished they accomplished more. If you give your life to your passions and to your desires, is, is, isn't that what everybody's telling the millennials to do? Like chase your passion, chase your passion, chase your passion. If you give your life to chasing your desires and chasing your passions, let me tell you that whenever you get to the end, the end of your life and you're alone because all you ever thought about was yourself, you're going to regret it. You're going to wish you would have done something meaningful with your life. But if you'll give your life to Jesus, this is, this is his words. Whoever, whoever loses his life because of me, he says, will actually find it. So what if this, what if that void that you feel in your heart, what if that desire for just something more, anybody ever just really had a deep theological thought in the shower because that's where we have all those thoughts yeah 
hot water hitting your face and you're just thinking, there's got to be something more. There's got to be more to this. What if that something more is actually a God-shaped hole in your heart that He created you with on purpose because He created you for a purpose that you're not fulfilling yet, that you're not, that you haven't found yet. Give your life to Jesus, man. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. I promise you. And listen to me. So so many people I think are afraid of what Jesus will take away from them. Listen, you know what Jesus says about that? Jesus says it is it is the thief. He's the one, the devil. He's the one that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come to give them life. And not only life, but life in abundance. That's John chapter 10, verse 10. That's one of those great ones for Instagram. John 10, 10. I have come to give them life and to give them life in abundance. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this has impacted you and you would like to help us to continue to reach others, please text GIVE to the number in the description. For more information about us and our ministry, go to theremodeledchurch.com.